So, like I said, send, like, your questions or anything you want to know about, but I'm going to jump right in. So, welcome to episode 31 of the Black and Fashion Podcast. Now, this is actually season two. I definitely want to make sure that um, moving into season two that I'm keeping the podcast very, very um, educational, informative, um, inspiring, motivated, and that you guys are actually getting, like, a lot of knowledge from um, the podcast as well. And so um, just to introduce myself, I've realized today that there are so many people that follow the LC Apparel Consulting page um, in business, but didn't know that I actually had a podcast that kind of correlates with the LC Apparel Consulting brand that is my consulting agency. Um, and I basically try to keep things um, across the boards like pretty much together. And what I do is like I give away like gems and information like via the Black Confession podcast. And then I try to correlate that stuff like with the LC Consulting brand as well because they are both um two of my businesses under the same umbrella and it's just about pushing like the black um, agenda like forward um, in the black fashion industry and design. So I kind of wanted to start today just by like talking about the core like of a fashion business. So if there are people out there that are looking to start like a fashion design business or um, or they are already in the design business, but maybe you guys are um looking to transition to doing like more cut and sew or you're a graphic and designer or creative director or visionary and you've started your business by doing more of like urban kind of streetwear or like luxury suite streetwear and you're looking to transition into doing like um, made pieces instead of purchasing things wholesale and in and printing or like embroidery on there so the first step hands down to me is figuring out where you want to be placed in the market so I put a post up on LC Apparel Consultant um, a couple weeks ago where I asked people where they lay in the market so when I say where does your brand lay in the market I mean does it lay in the budget area does it lay in moderate does it lay in better does it lay in contemporary bridge designer couture or avant-garde so all of these different categories actually have a price point attached to them. So the best way for me to give you an example of what I mean when I say these different markets, when I say budget, budget means off price. So that is um, your Forever 21s, like your H&M, your Ross, your your Burlington, that is budget level pricing. Those things that when you fall in that budget level price point is a lot of times um, things that are um, created and sourced overseas. Those things are not made within the USA because they wouldn't have that low budget price point if they were. So as a designer, if you wanted to compete with Forever 21 or if you want to compete with an H&M, it would be literally impossible for you to create a clothing line that was actually manufactured in the USA that could compete with a Forever 21 because they are a mass budget retailer. So as a designer, a budget level clothing line should never be your direct competitors or an area of design that you should be falling into in all honesty budget they pull from um ready to wear and avant-garde and couture and contemporary designers and they make the clothes very cheap by uh you know i'm not gonna say they jack up the fit but the fit is not a crucial importance to a budget level customer the fabrication is not a true importance to a budget level customer and also if you're in that market and you're selling things for oh honestly $20 $30 which is where a lot of luxury brands come from if you're selling things at $20 and $30 that is a budget level price point and if you have been um 
I guess, catering to a budget level clientele, when you start to go up and you decide to change your price point or change your level of business, you either can do two things as a designer or as a brand owner. You can either elevate with your customer and take your brand to the next level. So that that means basically whoever your target market is, they're actually growing with you. So if your customer started off being like that college grad, but that college grad has now gotten a child that college grad is now into the place where they're buying homes and they're in a different place in their life then that means you are elevating with your customer another thing you can do is just create different diffusion brands so have a budget level brand have a contemporary brand have a ready-to-wear brand like you actually really do have to break them up so after i say budget I want to move into telling you guys about a moderate brand. So your moderate brand would be like Azara or like an Express, like that's moderate. So it's just like a little bit past budget, but not like completely. And then like better would be like All Saints or like Urban Outfitters, like those are better. Um, because price points a little bit higher, not as cheap as like your um, budget level or your um, moderate level brand, but still um, fabrics are up and down just kind of depends on exactly who it is because I think that all states and urban outfitters kind of fall really neck and neck not aesthetically wise but price point wise they're catering to two different type of customers and then your next level up would be a contemporary brand now your contemporary brand is like your Alice and Olivia your rag and bone your your seven jeans your vents your theory um Mark by Mark Jacobs. Um, who else is in that category? Um, Millie, like those type of brands. Those brands fall in your contemporary price point. And contemporary price point pretty much is like 250 300 plus and when i say 250 i'm being nice saying like a t-shirt is 250 but most of their garments range from 250 and they go all the way up to 900 i eat like a leather jacket or like leather pants of course they would be on the higher spectrum of a contemporary brand and then you go into ready to wear ready to wear of course designer is going to be your more expensive brand ready to wear and designer are like um your ralph lawrence and like your um DKNY. So DKNY is contemporary because it's cheaper. But Donna Karen is more of like ready to wear. So Donna Karen has a different aesthetic. Her um, fits and her colors and her um, fabrications are a lot different than her DKNY brand. And that's the same way with like Ralph Lauren. Ralph Lauren is ready to wear, but Ralph by Ralph Lauren is contemporary. Same way with Michael Kors. Michael Kors is designer ready to wear, whereas Michael by Michael Kors is more of your contemporary brand. So um, within this market, you definitely have to be able to like, not even be able to, you have to do your research. You have to figure out who your direct competitors are in order to place your brand in whatever market you're trying to cater to. A lot of times, new designers, you should be looking for a niche market, like looking for areas or opportunities where you can cater to a certain type of person or what this person's lifestyle looks like. You are never, ever, ever going to be able to make something for everybody. It's not going to happen. It's just very rare. You can have multiple diffusion brands. That opportunities are endless of having multiple diffusion brands. But actually creating one for each different type of customer is what your focus should be. Now, um, in LC Apparel Consulting, which is my business, we deal a lot with a lot of emerging designers. And usually when people come and they have a consultation with me and they speak with me, they're, you know, they're looking to get their brand off the ground. And a lot of times they're very shocked at the price point. For the most part, my brand and my, my consultant agency deals with a lot of designers that are looking to do small batch manufacturing or they have these ideas or they're in the um urban market and they're trying to transition out of the urban market so most and not most every single designer that i work with produces in new york city either new york city or la now new york city is not china it's not pakistan it's not any of those countries you're not going to be able to get cheap labor at all it's not going to happen these people need to make minimum wage and be able to support their families and make money just like everybody else so when moving into like wanting to do you know small 
production and produce things for people, you have to raise your price point. In all honesty, like you're net, hi everybody. <laughs> you're never going to be able to produce a brand in New York City for cheap. And that's just to be honest, like it's never gonna happen. Like you're gonna need to place yourself in the contemporary market in order for it actually to be profitable to you. If you want to do like, um, I just say, I don't want it to be too expensive. Like I want it to be luxury. You shouldn't be putting luxury and a $200 garment in the same sentence. It just does not make sense. It does not equate. It is not, it doesn't work out that way. I'm sorry. A $200 garment is not luxury. A $200 garment is moderate, better, or contemporary. It's not a ready to wear garment. A ready to wear garment starts at six to $700 plus. And I think that's the main thing that I can stress to anybody over and over and over again is to make sure you guys know the difference between these markets. And if you're looking to do small batch production, which most new designers are, know that your price point has to be at a certain level. It's up to you as a designer to know your target, know your marketing plan, and have a marketing plan for them. Absolutely, you guys. I'm not saying you can't. You can produce in China without doubt. You can produce in China. You can produce in Pakistan. There's so many other countries out there that you can produce in. I'm just saying that in the U.S. of A., it's not going to happen. So with producing in these other countries, it's a little bit harder because you have to meet their order minimums. You have to meet their fabric and trim quality minimums. And now, since these motherfuckers didn't elect Trump, you had a 10% tariff off of anything that's coming in to the USA from China. So you're actually spending way more money bringing these goods in. And sometimes you guys go ahead and make all of these units when you don't even have the clientele or the customer behind it to actually sell it. So then you're sitting on a whole bunch of merchandise or sitting on merchandise that you cannot sell. And I think that that is one of the biggest mistakes as designers. Like I wanted to get a cheap product, but I wanted to get it made quality and I'm going to oversee it. I'm going to go do everything in another country where you can do both. Don't get me wrong. That's another thing. And I'm going to make sure I hit on that. You can get your samples made here. You can get your patterns made here. You can get your patterns graded here. And then you can send them over China if you happen to find a vendor or a manufacturer that is willing to work with your order minimums. You can absolutely do that without question. However, there's always going to be a catch-22. Even if you get a good manufacturer and you happen to send everything over there and things get done, you have to be responsible for doing that quality control for it coming over back into the USA. You need to check every single piece, and I cannot stress that enough. Before you send anything to any customer, you need to be doing quality control. If, you get, if it gets made in China, USA, Pakistan, it does not matter. You need to do quality control on those garments top to bottom you can't pick one out the bunch and decide that you know you're gonna check this one you have to check everything okay so next topic i want to get into i guess is more so just like what you need to have prepared when you're starting out or if you let's say you want to work with my my business and you want to work with lc apparel consultant you do need to have a vision and in all honesty, that's all you need. I can walk you through and we can do like design development sessions. We can do, I can do fabric sourcing for you. We can do classes and all of that good stuff. However, you got to have the willpower in you to want to learn some of these things on your own. So I do teach, I do have my garment district tour, but I also try my best to consult you guys in the best way possible. But at the end of the day, I'm only one person. I only can do so much. And you have to be able to take ownership and be able to do some of these things and learn some of these things on your own. I have so many recommended readings, which I will share in the show notes, as well as throwing out there. Like, I love um, the plan, the product, the process by Lisa Newell Hopkins. She actually was one of my professors in college. It was an amazing, amazing book that will really give you the ins and outs of the fashion industry and what you need to know and what you need to learn. Now, um, one of the things that we should definitely talk about is the design fit sample making process. And I think that a lot of people get... Um, the samples and getting a sample made. I'm not gonna say you guys get it confused, but there are multiple versions of a sample. So when you initially give a design to a pattern maker or a, a sample maker, 
the first thing that's gonna come about is a fit sample. And that's literally it. It's just testing the fit, it's just testing the construction details of it and putting the silhouette together. So don't get a fit sample confused with, oh, I wanna be able to show this to a person and, and be able to sell it or I wanna use it as a photo shoot sample or an ad sample, I wanna use it for my marketing. That's not how it works. You will pay for one to two to three rounds of samples before you even get to a photo ad promo sample you would need to do a fit sample first and then what's a ballpark figure for a three-piece leisure wear collection too broad <laughs> way too broad and that's enough i'm gonna touch that in one second okay there is no ballpark figure i don't know what the design is i don't know what the fabrication is i don't know how many units you are doing i don't know anything so um, when asking for pricing for someone like me or a pattern maker or something like that, you need to come through with a tech pack. You need to come through with pictures. You need to come through with, I want this fabric, so I want these units. And that, I'm not going to lie to you guys, is, is one of the most annoying things you can ever ask any consultant, any pattern maker, any manufacturer, because every single design is different. There's no way for me to tell you, oh, it's going to be this amount and that's a solid number. It does not work like that. In no means and in no way, shape, or form will you ever get an answer for anyone on a ballpark number for a three-piece leisure collection. It could be a two-piece. It could be a jumpsuit. It could be a skirt. It, it could have pockets. It could have drawstring. It could have elastic in it. Like, really, when you come and you want to know a number, have your shit together. And that's, I don't know if that's tough love. I don't know if that's too harsh. I'm just giving to you real. That's not enough. That doesn't mean shit to somebody like me. Like, I don't know what you're talking about, to be completely honest. Like, you got to be ready. And when you send stuff like that, it turns us like that person not ready. They didn't do the research. They didn't put down the groundwork for the foundation of their collection to even ask a question like that. And it does make you seem like an amateur and that you're not ready. And we'll refuse services with the quickness, okay? So... I'm sorry if that's too harsh, but I got to give you guys some tough love today and give you guys some honest shit on the way these things work in order for you to be successful in your brand. If you're not sure and you want to learn more, take a class, come on a tour, get a consultation, really, really put in the work and invest in yourself if you really want to know how to move throughout this industry. I've been working in this industry for a very, very long time. I work domestic. I work international. I worked for leisure brands. I worked for children's where I've worked in hosiery, socks, um, handbags, SLGs, outerwear, ready to wear. Like you really got to verse yourself in order to really get something out of this. So Try to not be vague, but to be as detailed as possible when it comes to reaching out to someone to help you. And I can't stress that enough. Like, I, I really cannot stress having all your I's dotted and your freaking T's crossed when it comes to stuff like that. Now, y'all made me forget my train of thought because I looked at that question. <laughs> But anyway, so uh, I actually have done everything already. I just want a better number, but I understand you're trying to make your money as well. It's not about us making our money, darling. You're not giving me any information, so it's no way for me to give you a ballpark number. Like, it's not about making money. We need to see the garment. Um, and maybe you should send me an email or um, a text or something like that to show me the exact details in the flat form and then I can really give you an answer of how much it would cost, but you still need to have everything that I just mentioned, which was units, fabric, uh, silhouettes, details, all of that shebang before I can even give you like an answer to be completely honest. Now, I do, I do want you guys to send in questions because I definitely want to be able to answer them as well as to my ability as far as, like, you know, getting, like, on the right track and stuff. But in all honesty, to me, it sounds like you need a consultation or you need to send tech packs to, like, multiple manufacturers to figure out who has the best price for what you're trying to do. But those are all the things you do. Her consultations are really great. You should book one. Oh, have you had one with me? Sunshine Alley. Maybe you have. And maybe I just don't recognize your Instagram. I don't know. I'm sorry if I don't recognize your Instagram. I'm, it's a lot of people that contact me. But I'll tell you, I'll give you all the, the information and the, the role that you need to be on um, if you would like a consultation. Damn, y'all made me forget my train of thought. I was, like, about to make a point about something else before I start answering these questions. I don't know. <laughs> Damn it, what was I talking about? So I, I dropped my stuff to you today. Oh, oh, okay, okay, okay. I know. That is. Give me one second. Don't tell me, because I know 
That's Shayna. Okay. Hey, Shayna. <laughs> I'm like, I know who this is. All right. All right. So, moving on. Let's discuss product development. Okay. So, like, I, I know what I was talking about. I was talking about the whole sample, the whole sample thing. Okay. So, um, from fit sample, you get, once you approve the fit and approve colors and approve, like, quality, then we move on to a pre-production sample. And the pre-production sample happens way before anything else happens. So this is how the final garment is going to look based off of your fit comments and also how um, the final fabric will look after it's because some people get like dyed and match or like do lab dips or like all over prints and stuff like that. So the fabric has to be created. So after we do that, then we move into a pre-production sample. The pre-production sample at that point could still be off in some type of way, the fit could still be off and maybe need some more um, alterations or like the color or the quality of the fabric. We don't love it in the pre-production sandwich, but that is the time where we can actually fix things as well before moving into like full-on production if we don't like the construction of it or anything like that. So as designers, when you guys are reaching out to pattern makers or someone to help, act, make sure you are asking for price. Like, okay, so I want a fit sample. I want a pre-production sample. I want a showroom sample because they're different, you know, and I just want to make sure you guys are getting what you need from that um, because you can get a sample and it can be in a substitution fabric and then you're like, okay, um, I can't do anything with this. Um, I cannot promote this. I cannot sell this or anything. And it could be because you are not being specific about what you need. Just know that you're going to have to pay for each sample that you get. And normally someone would tell you what it is. Like in my business, I make sure I lay it out to the T. Do you want a fit sample and you want to move directly into production? Do you want a pre-production? Do you want to add sample? Like what is your hope for using these samples? And the biggest piece of advice I can get is to go ahead and pay whatever samples you need to get. That fit sample is crucial. It's gonna be what the garment is gonna fit like, what the proportions are gonna be like, what the construction is gonna be like, and let's make any addition or any alterations to that before we move into pre-production. That pre-production sample, we can actually use to do ads and marketing and stuff like that. And that pre-production sample will have final fabric, it will have the right fit. And what we can do is we can use that sample to figure out how we want to do our sizing so in all honesty you shouldn't be making different sizing if you're not going to sell it if you're a, a designer that really only sells small medium large why are we go why are we making extra smalls why are we making extra large or if you're a designer that is a uh, numerical you sell four six eight tens why are we making zeros why are we making double zeros there's really no point so the whole point of that pre-production sample and getting that sample and final um stage of fit and color and approval and proportion of construction is to use that sample to put it out there use that as your marketing tool to see what people are gravitating towards whether you want to do a trunk show or a fashion preview or a pop-up and it be available for pre-order so that way you can get feedback try it on multiple people get their um their thoughts on like you know i love this but i could totally like this a lot more if it was this color or if it was this length or if it was a sleeve on and that can help you do like a line edit so you like you know what people are gravitating towards this but they gravitating towards it if it was this color or if it was this or if it was that and it seemed like people they were on the medium side liked it a lot more so when i decide to do my production plan i'm gonna make way more mediums than i'm gonna make large or small because that's the customer that is gravitating towards it hi will you be saving this live yes girl i'll be saving it and um i'll post it on my page too sorry yeah, I will. I'll make sure I save it. I make sure I post it and like repost it a few times as well. Um, so, damn it! Every time I ask a question, I get, <laughs> I lose my train of thought. Um, what was I saying? Yeah. Okay. So we use these. Is somebody asking me? Okay, I'm so confused right now. Somebody might be asking me a question. I'll get to it in a second. Um, we use these things to create our production plan. We use these things to figure out where we're gonna be and what we need to actually make into production. If you make a sample of something and, oh, sizing, thanks girl. If you make a sample of something and don't nobody like it or you didn't get great feedback off of it, why put it into production? There's no point in making it. Maybe, you know what, they wasn't ready for it yet. Let's save that for next season. Like, or maybe it's something I can 
rework the design, rework the fabrication that I want to use. I could put it out in a different season, but don't move forward with actually creating these collection pieces or whatever, just because um, you made a sample of it. Just because you made a sample of it doesn't mean that you actually have to use it for that season. Maybe it does need to be reworked. Maybe it does need like some edits and stuff like that based off of like what you got from um, just, like from the people that you are serving and trying it on and stuff like that. Now, when you create a line that is extremely exclusive to one type of person, and when I say that, I mean plus size. So we know that women come in many shapes and sizes and plus size because you have your plus size women that are taller, shorter, some are bustier, some are hippier. With a plus size one, you definitely want to make sure you try it on multiple different types of plus size women. That is a very, very great market to be in because there's not a lot of people that do it and do it well, especially black there's not a lot of black plus size designers and I feel like more than anything, black people are the ones that are the leading target consumer for a plus size line. So you wanna make sure with that, that you are on point with your fits, with your choice of fabrics, with your choice of colors, and make sure that you're actually using your samples as a survey, like without doubt. Now, when it comes to the product development process and moving into production, you have to do, I, I'm not saying you have to because everybody's different. I don't wanna make it seem like I'm forcing you guys to do anything. You kinda gotta follow a certain type of orders of operation, if that makes sense. So with pattern making, that is gonna be the intellectual property of your company. And that is gonna be like your bread and butter. The silhouettes that you create, the silhouettes that you trademark, the silhouettes that are exclusive to your brand, hold on to those. As a designer, you shouldn't really be creating new patterns every season. Um, to be honest, you should be updating or changing or changing the fabrication or um, using different trims or something like that to already made designs. Because like I said, those are the intellectual properties of the company. So what you want to do is use the patterns as an investment because that's what they're going to be. Um, your first run of a manufacturing production in the USA is it can and can't be profitable depending on how you sway it because the first amount or a set amount of money that you put into your production is going to cost you that grading grading when i say grading i mean taking that one sample pattern that you created and moving it into different sizes deciding whether you want it to be a numerical run whether it should be zero two four six eight ten and you should be using numerical numbers with things that are woven when i say things that are woven i mean things that do not have a lot of stretch to them you should be using alphabetical sizing with your knit fabrics, things that have multiple stretch because a small, medium, large makes sense. So keep that in mind when creating your sizing. Woven fabrics, stick to numerical. Knit and stretch fabrics, go ahead and stick to your alphabetical numbers because they don't require um, a lot of sizing in between. So when it comes to grading, like I said, Grading can be expensive because you're also, in the, in the form of creating grading, you're also creating markers. Now, with markers, a marker is basically all of your graded patterns, meaning all of your different sizes, mapped out into one piece of paper, all of the pattern pieces for every single size. And this piece of paper is created based off of the width of the fabric that you're using. It's a bug in here and it's irritating the shit out of me, sorry. Um, now, out of the width of your fabric. So you don't actually have to purchase fabric until after your patterns are graded. And this is why you should do it this way. Once a pattern is graded and a marker is created, they actually, if you have a good grader, I work with an amazing one, and most of them do it, I don't see why they wouldn't. Most of the grading and the markers are created based off of how much can fit into the width of the row. So anytime you go and you look at fabric and you're looking to purchase like a fabric, just get a swatch of it, find out how much it costs, find out what the width of the actual roll is. Because when we actually get that market created, it's gonna basically fit as many pattern pieces into a small space. So that way you're not wasting any fabric. And then once the marker integrator is done digitalizing everything and putting everything into computer form, they will actually tell you exactly 
how much yardage goes into each size. So for your extra small, you need 1.5 yards. For your medium, you need 1.75 yards. So on the back of your pattern, there'll be a numeric, like a number system letting you know exactly how much yardage goes into each and every piece. Then decide how many units you wanna make of each size times that by the amount of fabric that goes into each piece and that's how much fabric you buy once you buy your roll you get that roll your fabric whether it's overseas or if it's a fabric store if it's a jobber wherever you're getting it from then you got that delivered directly to your manufacturer of choice and i think that's a um one of the things with a lot of designers that they go and they purchase the fabric first and then they try to work it into the roll which doesn't make sense there's no point unless it's something that you're going to use season after season after season you're going to know you're going to use the same fabric absolutely go and invest in it make it a part of your um like core pieces that's something that your collection will always offer absolutely but if not if it's something that is trendy or something that is a fad do not waste your money because you'll sit on it and you'll sit on it and then it'll just end up being a waste of money another thing that i just want to also press more than anything people and i get a lot of people who ask questions about this so when it comes to pricing out, like how, you know, I mentioned earlier about being like within the market that you need to be in, temporary market, whatever. Like I said, all of those price, all of those markets have a price point attached to it. Now, whatever your price point is, your retail price, you know, 60 or 50% down should be your wholesale price. When it comes to cut and sew, and when it comes to negotiating those prices with these manufacturers and stuff like that, your cut and sew price should be 18% of the target wholesale price. So basically, once you chop that retail number in half and you come up with your wholesale, whether you sell the wholesale or not, it does not matter. Um, this is just a normal, a regular math formula. So if you are selling wholesale, you know how much you charge for it. If it was going into a boutique or if you were doing consignment or if you ever got an order with like a really, really big store or big retailer. However, the reason why I'm telling you to do 18% of the wholesale price is because it gives you room for everything else. If you want to run a promotion, if you want to have a buy one, get something half off, if you want to run a sales, if you want to do anything like that. So if you just only do things based off of your retail price, it's going to leave you in like a some of you in a fucked up place in all honesty because then you're not going to profit when you're trying to get rid of merchandise. And at the end of the day, the whole point of getting into the fashion design business is not only to be creative, but also to make a profit from it. So that's why I'm telling you guys to use 18%. So just break it down a little bit further. Once you have that 18% target price, put in the amount of fabric that goes into each piece. Times that by, um, we're going to do it because we're just doing this by piece, so it's like a cost sheet. Put in the, um, how much the fabric costs, times how much or an average number that it takes to put into each piece in order to create. List your trims, list your binding. Your grading should be 10% 10, uh, 10 of your cost of goods, which is um, the cost price. And then your miscellaneous price should be like another 15%. So basically what happens is you see a breakdown of how much the cost is based off of the wholesale price, the cost of goods, the miscellaneous price, the trim, the fabric, everything. And you come up with one number of how much you have to spend on that cut and sew price. So, i.e., let me just give you guys a good example. Okay, so I had a previous client that sold a pair of leggings. Um, it was a techno fabric, none spe not special. It was a good fabric, good fabric. Zip, sucked you in, really good waistband. Those leggings go for $595, and this particular client sells out of this particular legging every season, okay? So, I only... I think I got it. <laughs> I only pay, I think, $50 to make these leggings. And she sells them for $5.95. She does not have a big online presence, so she's not selling a whole bunch of stuff online. Um, she is not in any retail stores, like where you can just go buy her off of the rack. She has a very great marketing strategy, which I love to stress to people. She tapped into the markets where people are not tapping into she goes to places where there is not a lot of places to shop she has a huge clientele in oklahoma city oklahoma she's a new york-based designer huge clientele in oklahoma huge clientele in colorado 
huge clientele in Nashville and Kentucky and little suburban areas in Connecticut because of the why those areas don't have a big shopping like there's not a good a big place to shop and how you do is tapping into these markets you need to go into small boutiques in this area and ask to partner with them you need to host trunk shows and pop-up shops and stuff like that and local hotels and as people come in they see you so it's like your marketing strategy and how to get into these markets where people actually spend the money they're there get it out of your head your family your friends and whoever your customer was beforehand is not your customer be able to differentiate the difference from people that were buying from you because there's only two things your consumer can do if you're selling graphic tees right now or t-shirts or you know shit that you're buying wholesale and that you're printing on the customer that is buying those things and the customer um that is buying ready to wear is not the same customer. They are two different people. So either you are never gonna cater to that market again and your customer is elevating and growing with you or you're creating a completely different brand that's actually going to target this consumer and then also still target your budget moderate to moderate, not even moderate, your budget level consumer because that's what a person who buys t-shirts at $20, $30 because people will buy an off-white t-shirt for over $100 or $200 like I said, it's two different type of consumers, okay? So just make sure you know the difference between the two type of consumers. So either elevate and you know located to that market or create a diffusion brand, okay? Now, another thing I kind of want to tap into is I think quality control and like knowing the differences between you know, construction. Um, I do not expect everybody to know uh, well, not everybody. I don't expect every designer to know what type of finishes are good for certain type of fabrics or what things should and should not be lined with. And but you kind of want to do your research because, like, let's say I use silk. I personally would never do an overlock stitch on a silk fabric. Silks are light, they're airy. I would only do a French seam on a silk fabric. I might do a flat fail seam, probably not. But it goes to show when you know the difference, like when you know fabrications and you know finishes, how much better your garment will turn out. A factory, depending on the relationship that you have with them, they might tell you like, no, I don't think that's a good idea, you know, because they have a little bit more experience, of course, and they've sold many different types of fabrics. They'll tell you like, we shouldn't do this type of finish, we'll do this, and you can take their recommendation. But honestly, as a designer and someone who wants to grow a brand, these are things that you need to know. You do need to study finishes and other differences and know what fabrics work for what. If you only want to design, you don't want to be hands-on with this type of stuff, and that's perfectly fine, hire a production manager. Hire a merchandise, someone who knows. Hire someone who does construction or knows something about construction because even if you're not the best at it, you can be the sales, marketing, guru genius of the world, and that's perfectly fine. But in that, if you're going to be that person, you need to have somebody in your camp and on your team that do know the shit, and they need to know the right things and the things that are actually going to drive the business because when you're selling garments for a certain amount of money, you definitely have to be able to speak to cost per wear and cost per wear meaning how much wear a customer is getting out of spending $500 on a pair of leggings like are they going to have these leggings whether do they wash well is the fabrication well so those are all of the things that you want to look at and be um, aware of when um, designing when picking fabrics and um, be aware of content as well like I mean I wouldn't sell a five or six hundred dollar dot garment for you know if it was polyester or like a, um I wouldn't sell it if it was polyester. I'm sorry. It would have to have some type of blend, some type of spanning, something like that, and like in that field in order for me to want to sell it for a certain price point because I know that polyester once it gets in a washing machine is terrible. Sometimes when it hits heat is terrible. So knowing and understanding fabrications on top of knowing and understanding finishes will take you stronger. And also knowing trims and all honesty, G. Like I don't know if y'all know, but YKK is the best invisible zipper you can buy. Any exposed zipper, Riri is. Riri will never break, it will never flip, it will never get stuck or anything. And that's the best zipper you can buy in that market. So knowing the difference between what trims are great for your, your type of clothes and what trims are not great for your type of clothes is what you definitely need to know.
So um, I want to open the floor up for like questions and stuff like that. Um, I know that someone hit me earlier in my DM and asked me what was the best way. Um, well, what was my biggest piece of advice for someone starting out in the fashion industry? And I think I said, I think I said, um, making sure that you guys negotiate their pricing and just making sure that you check every single garment like I think that's probably the biggest piece of advice I give and also when it comes to negotiating knowing your number not waiting for the manufacturer to give you a number because they're always going to ask you what are you willing to pay to test you to see if you know what you're talking about and if you do that breakdown like I told you doing the 18 percent do your help retail pricing do 60% below that for your wholesale pricing and take 18% of that and give them that number, but don't really give them that number. Go 10 to $20 cheaper than whatever number you come up with. So that way, when they throw out their number, y'all meet in the middle. When you go into a manufacturer, you should have a chart with all your sizes on it. No size, I'm sorry. All your styles on it the different colorways that it comes in and your total amount of units. You don't actually have to give them a breakdown of how many you're doing each size. Have your total amount of units and have the different colorways that it's in. Have your chart with your target market numbers on there and then give them one that's blank. And as you guys work through these styles, write down their numbers and never go to one person. Always go to one to two to three people. That way you can put them up and compete against one another. So it's like, well, I can get it from such and such for this price, but I like you, I really love your quality, and I'd rather give you the business because this is gonna be a repeat business on and on. And definitely like, you know, smooth them in a way and you know, make sure you put it out there that this is gonna be like an ongoing business and then you'll have have a better relationship with some of these suppliers and these vendors and these factories and stuff and it'll definitely help you um build, build up that relationship without doubt um another thing that you're gonna want to do is when it comes to working in new york city factories not you kind of want to learn how to speak a little Chinese English, a little Mandarin. Like, you got to be able, you got to have, um, if it makes the most sense, you got to have a digital visual of everything you, you need done because their English is not the best here. Um, some of them do have assistants that speak English and it works out best, but the communication is not that far off from some of the people that you're dealing with in China and other countries too because you have a lot of uh, women and men that are foreign and they don't have the best English here that work in factories. So, when you go to a factory to drop off your silhouettes or your garment, you should have a cut ticket. And on that cut ticket, it should have the fabrication of that garment um, so that they know what labels to attach to it. It should have the size breakdown of every single thing. And then it should also have a swatch of the fabric that you need to use. So that way, when the cutter comes in and the cutter goes to cut your pieces, the cutter and the sewer are two different people. There's a cutter, there's a sewer, there's a hand sewer, and there's somebody in there that's also doing quality control as well. So the cutter is going to look at the cut ticket and they're going to pull out that fabric row and they're going to start cutting. The one of the most important things you can do when it comes to putting a swatch on your cut ticket is making sure it's on the right side if for any reason your swatch is on like you have a fabric that has a shiny side or like a dull side or you know anything like the right side of the fabric versus the wrong side of the fabric the more <laughs> more important thing is to make sure that, that whatever is face up is the actual outside of the fabric because that's exactly how they're going to cut it i did have an issue one time where a swatch was not on the right way and it wasn't even the right fabric like if you're a designer that uses um different fabrics but use the same color it's so many different blacks and whites and grays like that make sure that the right fabric is on the right cut ticket because i had one time 50 pants cut in the wrong fabric and um it was definitely my fault because i did have someone else do it for me instead of checking it myself and seeing whether or not it was right or wrong and what happens you end up having to pay for all those garments because in the factory they don't know they cut it all out they did all the work so it's like yeah i got these pants cut in the wrong fabric but I still got to pay for them, you know, because I made a mistake. So having that really, really, really close attention to detail is something that I really, really can't stress enough. Um, I am running low on time, guys. So if anybody has any additional questions, I think I answered most of them. Hey, I have a question for the live tonight. How do you know about choosing your SKUs and how important it is for cataloging? Okay, so one of the, okay, so for choosing SKUs and how important it is a catalog, okay. So your SKUs and your style numbers um, are very similar. So do a breakdown and 
check your question box. Is this the same person? I have to check the question box. Okay, hold on, guys. I ain't done this all the time. Okay, let me answer this one and then I'll I'll, I'll check that question box. So, for the SKU thing, your first two digits of your brand should always be your first two numbers. The second two digits should be the season. The third two digits, you need to make you like a a style catalog code where it's just like, oh one means top, oh two means bottom. 03 means stress. So that way, when you do a style number system, it always makes sense. The second two digits should be if it's the first pant from that um, collection, and then the last two digits should be the color code. So if I was doing something from this upcoming season, I would say SS20. The name of my brand is Kali Abatini. It would be CVSS, meaning spring, summer, 20, pant 01 dash. 03 meaning it is from my fall from my spring summer collection coming out in 20 the pants are always 01 and then i have another one because it's the first style and then my color code is 02 so you have to create a style numbering system where all the numbers and the digits make sense and as you build on your collection you could always add different color codes you can also always add different numbers because like 01 for me is a pant but then the next 01 or 02 could be straight leg. The 02 can be wide leg. 03 could be culotte. Cool 04 can be Bermuda. So you have to create it across the board. And then every time you have a style number that you need to create, pull from those numbers and create your style number. When, com when it comes to grading and pattern making and cut tickets and all that type of stuff, no one cares about the name of your garment. The only thing they care about is the actual numerical number to make sure that shit makes sense. Let me check this question box. All right, so um, do you connect merchant designers with manufacturers or you have a team that manufacturers? Okay, so answer your question. Oh, I just got dark. Okay, so I have two different options. So the NYC Garment District. Ooh. The NYC Garment District Tour, which is the first Friday of every month. If you buy your ticket early, it's one fifty-five. If you wait a little bit, it's one sixty-five. If you wait till last minute, it's one seventy-five. In that Garment District Tour, I take you to pretty much everybody I work with. I take you to multiple different manufacturers. I take you to pattern makers, pattern graders, sample makers, fabric sourcing. I take you to everybody who, in order for you to get your business started, pattern makers, all that. Um, in that tour, you'll learn how to, and it comes with a production manual with the orders operations, with templates showing you how to do your cut tickets, how you do your call sheets, how to do factory allocation charts. So within that tour, you'll learn everything, but it's up to you to take all that information that I give you and go out there and hit the ground running yourself. Build your own relationship with people, figure out your own payment terms with people and do all your manufacturing. Me as a consultant, I do all that work for you. So if you hire me, you don't have to do the ripping and running and the building of the relationships because I already have them. I've been working with these people for years. Now, to have a production manager, you have to be able to have a budget for a production manager. So if you're an emerging designer and you don't have a lot of money or a lot of like a big budget, then yeah, you're going to have to hit the ground rolling and figure all these things out for yourself. I give so much information in these tours that you actually have. You have all the tools that you need. You just got to do the work. Whereas people who work with me and I consult for, they're not interested. They only want to make the clothes. They want to hire a production manager and they just want to work through me. So to answer your question, do you have two options when it comes to that? I also do pattern making classes, sample mass, pattern making classes, sewing classes, and draping classes. And I do a produ production management workshop. So even outside of the tour, you can take a production management workshop and we'll work through more specifics so that you can do it on your own. But if you decide that it's too much work or you don't wanna deal with it, you're not interested, you can absolutely hire me to be your production manager. And all you gotta do is provide me with the idea and the sketch and I take it from there. So it just really depends on what you have time for, what you have the budget for, and how you wanna um, produce your brand. But um, I do offer both um, options on my spectrum. So I think that's all the time I have for today. If anybody has any additional questions, hurry up and like shoot them out to me or if there's anything specific you were looking for in this live podcast that I didn't um, touch on, feel free to just, you know, write it in there. I have about 
minutes if that <laughs> before i gotta get out of here um but I, I tried to touch on everything i talked about the markets talked about quality control product development um fabrication sampling process um when you're reaching out what you need to have have your tech packs have your measurements in order um i think i tried to touch on everything um if anybody has anything great thank you no, no problem if you have anything else like feel free to ask me um I don't know what else I don't I don't think it was nothing that I didn't hit on um okay oh one thing I just make sure I tell you guys um you did very much well thank you um when it comes to um getting a sample maker and someone making your samples for you collect your patterns anytime you go pick up a sample that was made by your, um, a sample maker or a factory I cannot stress enough to you guys to make sure that you're getting your patterns back those are the things that you spend the most money on and those are the things that, like I said again is the intellectual property of your company I've had um a designer come to me with all her samples and she was ready for production she had like nine ten samples didn't have any patterns the person who did her patterns ran off with her patterns I had to recreate all these patterns and absolutely I can do that but she had already paid for them so more than anything guys get your patterns and not gonna say do this because it kind of makes you seem like an amateur however i don't find that there's anything wrong with it make these people sign ndas non-disclosure agreements like without doubt because at the end of the day it's going to protect you as a designer i sign ndas for all of my clients um so if they're uncomfortable with signing one or anything like that red flag you may not want to work with them because there's no reason not to sign an NDA as a pattern maker because, I mean, it is somebody else's design. And at the end of the day, you're just, you know, you're protecting yourself, you know, and making sure that no one gets hold of what you have. So um, I don't care if they feel some type of way about it. If they're not willing to sign an NDA for you, I definitely would call that as a red flag. And I may personally want to not work with that person. If, it, if you ever feel rushed or anyone's trying to push you to you got to do this and you got to you got to do it this way. There is no rush to this shit. Take your absolute time. It's better for you to take your time and really understand the process and know what's happening. Does it have somebody rush you through? Like saying, okay, are you ready for production? Are you ready to do this? Money hungry, ready to push you, not there for your best interest, okay? Um, I cannot stress that enough. Um, I think that's everything. Um, you guys can always tune in to the Black and Fashion Podcast at any time. I do have a lot of my earlier episodes. I do break down brand foundation and pricing. I do have a product development episode. I have a lot of episodes when it comes to marketing and stuff like that. So for some of you guys that just um, got wind of the Black and Fashion Podcast, this is episode 31. So if you just go far back, you'll get a lot of information, a lot of information when it comes to if you're a custom wear designer, how to set up your contracts, how to make those contracts, different things in different scenarios and with your you can possibly get in um from being a custom wear designer how to differentiate your ready to wear from your custom wear if you want to continue to do both there is a lot of money in custom i would never say not to do custom the money is there honey just make sure that you're doing custom on your terms never do it based off of anyone's measurements because everyone measures differently make sure you make those measurements yourself make sure people do not rush you and do not allow people to rush you because custom apparel takes time do not ever ever i repeat that it is not worth your sanity and make sure you're charging custom clothing six seven plus do not make anything for these people less than six hundred dollars because pattern making fabric sourcing your time and people are not paying for your time even though it might make you take you an hour to make something not paying for your time they're paying for your expertise they're paying for you to be able to execute that shit in an hour if you need to you went to school you did the work you did the groundwork charge for it and know your freaking worth okay so on that note i am signing out feel free to send messages to my inbox my dm i will always address and answer questions at, at any time same way you can send me messages on an lc apparel consultant page if it's a lot i am going to tell you to book a consultation um but at the end of the day i try my best technology and try to push the black fashion industry forward and agenda for it so on that note guys i'm signing out have a great day this episode will come out on itunes spotify soundcloud anchor google play either tomorrow or Thursday. Have a good night.